Welcome to You Can't Kill Me, every Slipknot song one by one. We are Chris Lee and Dave Musson, and we're here today to talk about our favourite Slipknot song, All Out Life. All Out Life, Dave. Yes, it's not bad, is it? The most recent one we've done so far. Yep. And an unusual selection in the Slipknot catalogue as their only, I believe, standalone single. Yes, I read that as well. That was part of the reason this one was was one of my choices. Part of the reason for picking it was because it kind of stands there on its own little island. And the other reason being, as we'll get into later, was that this was the moment when I realised that We Are Not Your Kind was going to be absolutely awesome. Released pretty much out of nowhere on Halloween in 2018 and it was the first new Slipknot song since the release of 0.5 The Grey Chapter which was four years before that four and a half years before that yeah so it very much signalled the beginning of the cycle for the the album that we now know came afterwards and indeed gave the album its name but it's not on the album which is one of the big talking points about this song is that it came out on Halloween announced the album knocked everybody's socks off and then wasn't there yeah Apart from on the Japanese edition. Apart from on the Japanese edition. And when you listen to We Are Not Your Kind and All Out Life, one after the other, if you have the Japanese edition, yeah. you can hear why it's not there. Mm, yeah. And, you know, the band are very clear that they're comfortable with just saying it didn't really fit the story. But narratively and sonically, it does stand apart from the album. Without wanting to drag them into everything we do, it's Palm Reader not putting Always Darkest on Braille, isn't it? <laughs> It's yes, it's it an is. absolute raging standalone single that heralded something great that would follow. And yet it doesn't fit with the wider story of that album of greatness. So there you go. Have it as a single. A couple of housekeeping points on it. Just details. Did get a physical release for Record Store Day. I don't have it. Probably never will. I've got it digitally. Yeah. I don't even think I've bought this song. I need to buy this song. And was the last recorded song with Chris Fenn on it. Yes. And yes. therefore the last one without Tortilla Man on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who we definitely don't know who he is. Definitely Definitely not. don't know who he is. What a way to start an album cycle this song is. Yeah. Considering it's not even on the record. This was Slipknot coming back into action. The way they always talk about it is the Slipknot machine whirring back into being. And it's quite an introduction. Yeah, I mean, for all those people who by this point have written off Corey in particular, has been too stone sour in the Slipknot stuff. And I know we've touched on this mm. on previous episodes. And I think you and I are both in agreement that his performance on Point Five Grave Chapter just pisses all over that notion anyway. But yeah. in case anyone wasn't sure, just listen to him on this. To give you a little behind the scenes, we listened to the song one last time before we pushed record on these. And we were both picking up on the same point in the first verse where everything quiets down you hear Corey's throat crack as he goes into part two of the first verse the character in that one second phrase is everything you need to know about Corey on this album yeah. cycle spitting but not rapping yeah. I think is the difference between yeah. this and old Slipknot but the level of aggressive tempo is still there it's 100 miles an hour this song and that carries through that part it's a, it's a, a midpoint in the in the verse it's, I can't kind of get to grips with how I felt about this song when it came out. I was not expecting an absolute furious banger from Slipknot. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting anything from Slipknot at this point, to be fair. And I certainly wasn't expecting A, a song that I truly loved and B, a song that started to make me excited, although not as excited as you, about a new Slipknot album that we now know is We Are Not Your Kind. And to then find out that it wasn't even going to be on the album, I started to question a little bit what the implications of that would be. Was this too fast? Was it too heavy? Too good? Why isn't this on the album? So I saw it as, okay, Slipknot are back in action. 
they've put out what's probably going to be the best song of this cycle. And then when you find out it's not on the album, the question marks start to come a little bit. And this is, as I said in the last episode, there's someone who, who likes The Grey Chapter. And I wasn't expecting it to be shit. I was expecting it to be not sonically like The Grey Chapter, but of a standard with, with it. So to get what we've got throws this song into a new light for me because it became the starting pistol for one of the best fucking albums I've ever made. Yeah. yeah. Which is a very different context to how it originally was when it arrived on that that Halloween. And we've talked off mic about our different reactions to where this single came out. And given how much you liked the the most recent album, and I, I do find it fascinating that it you didn't have a, an almost similar reaction to me. Because as, as I say, like this was my absolute moment of faith on Slipknot that they were not only back, but that We Are Not Your Kind was going to be a stellar album and that they were fully pissed off and ready to go. By the end of the first chorus and the first listen of this, I was fully in on any decision that this band was going to make on this album cycle. And actually, when I heard that it wasn't going to be on the album, that just made me really excited because I was just thinking, well, they're no mugs. And you're right, it would be the tendency for a band to kick off a cycle with the best single. But when they put this out and then said, oh, it's not on the album, that just <laughs> yeah. made me, it was like a ringing a bell for one of Pavlov's dogs I was just drooling at the thought of what this album would entail and I mean this song is just silly the fact that it goes so hard and so fast that the drums can't even stop properly when you would expect them to stop there's just nobody in this band wants to end the vibe of this song at any point it just keeps going and keeps going and just draws you in I just and we said it before for this band to release a song of this caliber at this point in their career it's just bonkers absolute bonkers where did they pull this from it's slipknot at full throttle which out of the blue it was exciting and I, I had my doubts about the album but i've never had any doubts about this song and for that reason it felt different to the devil and the lion the negative one when they came out pre 0.5 it instantly suggested that slipknot had found their fire yeah and i hoped it would translate into the album and my doubt was that it might not do that and yet even without this song on it it has absolutely done that and the song it's just it's not there because it doesn't fit yeah i don't think it's a quality thing it's not like they had 14 songs that were better because a clown was talking about this and saying that if if they'd had 20 songs recorded would you want one of the songs on the album to come out and be replaced by this yeah no i wouldn't and i i love that record and i love this song as much i've got them both and i have a few bands that have released a song of this sort of thing a standalone single in their back catalogue that's never officially appeared on an album and they just they feel even more like a, a song for the fans as well totally totally different style but state of love and trust by pearl jam is not on an album and that was you know that when i was growing up and getting into pearl jam my dad was like there's this single state of love and trust it's not on any of their albums it's the best thing they've done and <laughs> we've already mentioned palm reader that they've got one and this is slipknot's one and i mean the fact that it's become such a live staple so quickly as well yeah. like the the maggots brought into this the rallying cry of the song which i'm sure we'll go into is just undeniable and i just this is the first time I've bought a single in years <laughs> just because I couldn't I couldn't accept not having it yeah. in my music collection and oh, it's just it's just stupid good. Yeah, that, that so the rallying cry the story behind it is that it was designed to be that and I think Corey describes it as just a thing that he thought would sound cool. Yeah. As a crowd chant 
yeah. when they played it live and that's enough and it does it really well and it kind of grew and morphed into something else to the extent where they obviously named their album um, after it without actually that lyric ever appearing on, on the record or a song title or anything like that and there's something that I really like about the fact that there are people out there who are dim enough that it really confuses them and really upsets them that the phrase we are not your kind is from a song I think they understand that album titles might sometimes not appear on an album, but it is on a song, but the song isn't on the album. Yeah. And people, like, like you still see knocking around kind of Slipknot groups and Reddits and all that kind of thing. People still go, oh, it's, why is that? I don't like that it's not on there. Why did they call it? Just, it's fine. It's just an album title. And it's just a silly thing that they put in a song that they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they knew that they would have people punching the air and shouting it back at them and it was designed to do that and the fact that it grew to become a bit more of a philosophical point for them that filtered through the album as an actual kind of story started to develop i think is a a real bonus for fans who are close enough to the band that they understand that these things these little details are there for me it felt like almost an easter egg right there and then from the first listen it was just like that phrase is not it felt like so much more than just a cool thing to throw in there. To me, on first listen, it was like, they have to do something with that. And the fact that, you know, as we'll get onto in the video, the fact that the initials of it are on the boiler suits of everybody in the video, it just felt like there's something obvious here. And they, they didn't actually confirm it for a while, did they, no. in terms of the name of the album? But pretty much from the off, everyone was like, well, it's going to be called that, isn't it? Yeah. And I just I just love that they were just that bold and putting it out there and just like, Yep, there we go. Here's a thing. You're already screaming it. Um, by the way, that's the name of our next album. Just, yeah, just brilliant. Um, so I think the fact that it has that connection with the fans and the connection with the fans comes through the, very strongly in the making of the video as well. Along with the fact that it was the start of something, not just a flash in the pan brilliant song, is why it has such a special place in my heart. It's like genuinely is one of my absolute favourite Slipknot moments is the release of this song. And the other reason it has a special place in my heart is that it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's a brilliant song by a band that was knocking around in the mid-90s in 2018. Well, the thing that really kills it for me is like, and you may have already got this on your list to cover as well, but Corey talking about it and saying that it's the anthem that reminds people that it's not the date on the music, it's the staying power. And yeah, Yeah. perfect. It's definitely a come and have a go, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's a call to arms in, in, in more ways than one. Um, the initial response was weirdly that it sounded a little bit like 0.5 The Grey Chapter, but more chaotic, more frantic. I'm not sure I put much stock in that kind of specificity sound-wise, but it's definitely frantic. It's definitely chaotic. And I, I really like it for that reason. I went through a bunch of single reviews because it's yeah. obviously, you know, it's in a social media world all of a sudden. You know, the, the last album was born into, into a world with Twitter, but it was a very different Twitter then. And we now have people like us reviewing stuff because we can and because media has been democratised to the point where we can do that. So it's not short of singles reviews. Some words used in those reviews to describe All Out Life by Slipknot. Okay. Insane. Yeah. Incendiary. Yeah. Unsettling. Yeah. Twisted, angry, aggressive, clattering, menacing, bruising, brutal, unrelenting, crushing, direct, timely, and recognisable. And in terms of the mix, which I want your view on, rough interesting i can understand rough as a follow-on from great chapter yeah i think there is a definite the mix was criticized a little bit upon release within mm. media that we kind of consume and talk about yeah it was a doesn't sound quite right i hope the album version is a bit more polished don't worry mate there ain't gonna be one from my point of view the production the mix was part of its charm actually i think it's 
I wouldn't want to hear this song mixed in the way that Grey Chapter was. I think this song, just dialing down the polish and just leaving those raw edges, leaving those frayed ends, I think is perfect for this song. And as we've now been able to see, it's... It was the launch pad for the next cycle anyway. And sonically, I think there is a noticeable difference between the last two albums in terms of rawness. And it it just brings in that aggression, that fire. I don't know if there's anything in this, but it almost feels like this single is the sound of of what we now know Chris Venn aside as, as the current lineup of Slipknot. Yeah. Really feeling settled and comfortable because there was so much emotion around Grey Chapter. Those new guys coming in, it was basically just come in and just just perform. But, you know, don't be in the spotlight, but don't fuck up. Whereas now it's like, yeah, just go for it. I mean, yeah. the drumming in particular. Yeah, interesting. Because you, you go back to point five, the Grey Chapter. Don't perform on this album, Jay Weinberg, and then listen <laughs> to Kill Pop and you're like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair. So it, it does feel like a unified Slipknot. And there is a lot going on in, in terms of, you know, the backstory to the last couple of albums. But it doesn't feel like Alessandro and Jay's debut anymore which is understandable it's got that gang mentality that defined their early work and defined the character and persona that they built for themselves in the media and i think i mean it's certainly the most aggressive they'd sounded since iowa Mm. and i think we touched on this in the last episode where we did our sort of brief summary of of we are not your kind and i said that they sounded more dangerous than before and this this has that that feel of it mm. and like yeah i think gang is an ideal word that, that is the word that slipknot has been attached to for so much of their early career and it really does feel like a unified terrifying force being unleashed onto the world again and having had years to sort of mull over things and, and digest stuff and just become really pissed off at absolutely everything but they're coming at it from such a such a more powerful position in terms of their global status you know any Slipknot song dropped out of the blue was going to be the hottest thing. What sets this one apart is that we're still talking about it like a year and a half later mm. as one of the finest songs that Slipknot have ever done. And so many bands have fallen into a trap of coming back with a half-decent single that everyone gets excited about because the band are back. People got excited about this because the song was so good. Yeah. It, this is the song that is most gang-like as well. It's Yeah, yeah. It's peak Slipknot because it feels that way. And... The quality on We Are Not Your Kind as an album is sky high, but the gang thing is on this single. Yeah. And that's why it's so powerful, I think. And that really makes it kind of work as a standalone as well as being a reintroduction. And it's characteristic of being a reintroduction is really important. And it was part of the intention behind the song. And when you listen to Corey talking about it, he says that there were two things that this song was trying to do. The first one is bring everyone together, which is We Are Not Your Kind, shout, shout, clap, clap, keg hit and all that stuff but also remind everyone that the past is not something to be discarded with disdain and he's talking there about the music industry and the quality of creative arts and all of that but what he really means is Slipknot are going to be fucking brilliant again and they proved it on this and they went on to prove it further and the level of meaning within that indicates to me that they knew where they were going they knew they had something special and they knew that what they were about to put out and this single itself were not just brilliant but brilliant slipknot and having been through that filter is really important for the the songs that they their best songs sound like nobody else could possibly make it yeah and that's what this song is i think it starts to show the beginning of Corey on the lyrical thematic lyrical form that carries into the album 
the basis of the lyrical content is really key to what the band were about to come on to do, yeah. which is, you know, for, for my money, the best album anyone anywhere recorded in that year. And it's a rejection of old versus new and just an embrace of, of quality. No second guessing, no trying to prove anything. To me, this was Slipknot wiping the creative slate clean. It was a cleansing. Whatever they think of their last record, whatever we think of their last record, this was, okay, bang, Slipknot 6, here we go. And they followed up with, with this genuine masterpiece and they knew it was coming. And you can sense that they knew it was coming with the sheer confidence that comes through this song. As it happens, I think lyrically, this is the weakest song of the We Are Not Your Kind cycle. Mm -hmm. Because the theme is strong, the point is strong, and the way it's communicated is good. But word by word, it is just, you know, being tapped on the forehead with pretty kind of literal... Yeah. There's, you know, there's no metaphor here. But it's the delivery, isn't it? The delivery's great. The song is perfect. Yeah. When you read the lyrics, you go, oh, yeah, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about without having to delve into my brain at all. That being said, and I know I know you you like your lyrics to have a bit more, uh, uh, be a bit less on the nose than, yeah. than I, I might do. All that being said, that double line of old does not mean dead, new does not mean best. Yeah, it's on the nose, but fucking hell I mean I just in my notes I've just written preach in capital letters next to that <laughs> I just for those lyrics to be uttered in the style that Corey does on this record on this single with that fire in his belly they'd sound crap from most other people but they work really well from him and it's just uh, as a catchphrase to launch the new cycle as well like all in on it and like like I said it was a thing that sounded cool that the crowd can sing back and yeah i get that but i really buy into that as an idea as well to be honest I, i'm completely in agreement with all of that yeah i just think it was improved upon when oh, the yeah. album came out. that's why it's not on the album yeah lyrics the lyrics aren't good enough go okay. yeah um the there is a, a section in the middle of this song that's very different to the rest of it one of the things i really like about this song is that it feels like it sort of stops and you get another new song and, and it comes back around the what are we calling it? An interlude in the middle? We're talking about the piano and the tribal drums and the, the megaphone. The megaphone in particular. Yeah. yeah. So. Pulse of the maggots, isn't it? Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Bit Fallout Boy as well, isn't it? <laughs> Early Fallout Boy's good. <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, it's, I don't dislike it at all. I think it's an interesting choice, particularly within a song that is just a thousand miles an hour for the rest of it. The stomp is there. Yeah. And I think if you take out the, the sort of military drumming, that bit, my struggle, but they know what they're doing. I mean, I, I quite flippantly say Pulse of the Maggots, but to me, it, it instantly felt like a sort of a nod back to that particular point in their career as well, because up until that point, this song had been been like Iowa, but aged, mm. what was it, 17 years at that point. But it was interesting. I found it interesting in the middle of the song, they still put that nod back to the sort of, oh, we also did this kind of stuff <laughs> as well. And we're really good at that. And yet, yeah, we're not going to make a whole song of it right here and now, but we can still be confident, as you said earlier, confident enough to throw in some pianos and some military drumming and some vocal stylings that little bit cliched, maybe little a little yeah. bit contrived, but still work within the context. Yeah, they do work. I, th I think what, like the rest of the song, is more about potent meaning than powerful lyric. Yeah. So I don't particularly see it as a criticism. And when we come to grade it, it has a no bearing whatsoever on, on what I'll score this song. I think where this song is really going to live and breathe from now on is live. Yeah. There's no official live version of this song as yet, as far as I'm aware. But what we do have is a 
professionally shot download video from 2019. So we're going to see this live. I should say I've resisted the urge to watch any live footage of this song because I want my first live experience of it to be at a concert that I'm at. So yeah, I'm sort of, I've deliberately held back on this. Would you like me to not talk about it? No, talk about it. I, I, I fully, I'm fully aware that it's going to be a highlight of the set list. Uh, so you know the tempo of this song? Yeah. Faster. Cool. Pyro? Yep. Riffs sound great. Actually, well, I'm going to pause here, Dave. The riff with the little slide in the end, the main riff of this song. Yeah. Is that a top five Slipknot riff ever? Oh, you put me on the spot there. It's, I'm not going to like hold you to it, but... It's in the running. It's great. Yeah. Just out of nowhere, so single that's not even on a record. Bang, here you go. Here's one of our best riffs that we've ever come up with. Yeah. It's fantastic. Works yes, best at full volume. It's a good shout. And it sort of, it harks back to those first couple of albums when they did put a little bit more stock in the riff because by the time you got sort of volume three onwards, they knew where they were at in terms of what size stages they'd be playing on so they could make more of their of their melodies and they could, they had more whole band moments. Mm. Whereas early on, what, what really hooked me on Slipknot were well, they were just standout riffs, like Sick, mm-hmm. the opening riff to that. It's naught and one, but show me a band that has done naught and one better than that. But yeah, I've never considered it in terms of riffage, but hmm, it's definitely top 10 at the very least. Yeah. Well, I was listening to it earlier and just thinking, actually, that you take everything else away from this song. That riff is awesome. Yeah. Anyway, live, Corey properly giving it some obvs. Yeah. Corey singing through his new mask is weird. Hmm. Sounds fine, obviously. Yeah. But it's weird. I hope we're not too close. You can see a bit of it in the Nero Forte video that I've just put out as well, uh, actually, because it's a bit... It's just creepy, which I suppose is the intention. That's probably the point. But it yeah. doesn't feel good creepy. It feels like kind of too creepy. The bit that really makes my inside sore on this song is the groove they get on the second verse, where you get like the sort of Lamb of God style ride symbol going mm. through everything else that has already been there. So... Yeah, if that's a little bit faster and a little bit gnarlier, yep. and with Pyro, it won't be taking a piss during this song. No. The last minute of this song as well is, is fantastic, because it just it switches up the theme slightly. Sounds like the same riff and same song, but it switches the way it's delivered. And it's got gang vocals. And it's got gang vocals, and it just sounds brilliant. Yeah. So it's a proper headbang moment at the end of this song, even more so than the rest of it. And it's just, as a Slipknot song, I think it's got everything. Yep. There's nothing that they do that isn't here, really. I think particularly live when you can when you can hear more of what's going on behind the guitars. I think I was going to say the, the only thing that jumps out in the recorded version is, as we discussed on the last episode, Sid is not necessarily obvious in the recorded version, but I'm expecting that to change live. Yeah, it's an interesting note that because one of the things that came through very strongly in reviews of the album was that the presence of Sid and Craig was much more prominent than people had been expecting Mm. and it benefits from that as well yeah so again maybe that's just one of those sort of slight differences between single and an album that followed um we need to talk about the video okay do we heck which which did the small manner a matter of 3.4 million views in a day that's the power of slipknot i watched a little um behind the scenes video of clown briefing the the fans wow which was kind of interesting and it was just an odd thing because they were masked with that weird, like, white hood. Yeah. And the faces on them, the skull faces on them. And he was not masked, which is just a really odd thing to see Sean in Slipknot mode, not masked. 
and this like crowd of weirdos. And the briefing was like, I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's the next chapter. You're a part of the beginning of it. Go crazy. And it, that's about as much of the brief as I was expecting. Yeah. And he, he just said like, be intense for me. And they delivered. I mean, Slipknot are in such a fortunate position, aren't they? That they can put a call out for their fans to come and be extras in a video. And basically, to be honest, now they're at the point where they wouldn't even need to give them any sort of briefing. You could just say, you're in a Slipknot video. Just, go over there. Just have fun. And it, it, now, whatever method you want, just go yeah. over there and we're going to film you. I mean, you look you look <laughs> at the ones in the duality video yeah. where it's just like, we've got a house, let's trash it. Here, it's just like, we're going to put you on a bus. I mean, what other band's fans can make getting off a bus look so fucking weird? Yeah, they do a very good job. So the video itself is a lot of blood. Yeah, a lot of intense stares. Lots of intense stares. Tons of fans in these white slipknot suits with the W-A-N-Y-K on them. And these head coverings, these hoods, which were pretty creepy. Full yeah. cover hoods with skulls on the front of them. Shout the guy who got his gut out in the whole thing. It's like, I'll keep my head covered, but you're looking, you're getting a good look at my body as well. You are going to be able to identify me by other means. <laughs> yeah. It was a blacked out, I think it's a prison bus, right? Because it's it's a blacked out school bus, yeah. not being American. I'm not entirely sure that that's not just what a prison bus is. And the video is essentially just total mayhem inside and outside this huge hangar with a disco ball. Yeah. And some guys mooching around in black cloaks while the white suits just go crazy. Yeah. And then the the interlude bit in the middle that we spoke about, they're on the floor, these white suited fans. And again, slightly on a nose, literally wake up while Corey's speaking the truth at them. And then they just go ape shit again. Yeah. I was doing a last watch of this in preparation for recording and trying to work out if there's cause Sean directed it. It's like, what's the artistic message here? What what's he trying to say here? And I've just come to the conclusion, no, it's just chaos and carnage. Yeah. There's no, this is just, and actually, I guess it's in keeping with the theme of the song lyrically in that, hello world, Slipknot are still here and still better than all of your favourite bands. We're going to cover our fans in blood yeah. and we're going to blow up a bus. Yeah. We are back. And I like the fact that, and it's become a bit of a Slipknot thing, hasn't it? Like the first video of a cycle is usually, you don't see no the band, band yeah. no masks, and we get that here. It's just, it's just, it's just a bunch of their fans looking terrifying and having the time of their life. Yeah, good though. Really good. <laughs> really good. It just really works for the song because that idea of a gang again. It's like we're back. And do you remember our fans? They're still fucking mental. Definitely works really well. Works beautifully with the song as a package. That dropping was a moment in the sort of life of a Slipknot fan. It just, you yeah. won't forget that in a hurry. That in mind, we are ranking the Slipknot songs. We are. Did we just, oh. I was just going to mention, obviously we try and touch on covers and remixes. Oh no, you found a cover. No, no, I haven't. And I just wanted, <laughs> I wouldn't have, Please, I wouldn't, no covers. I wouldn't have interrupted your flow, but I just wanted to make the point that quite often I will offer a suggested cover if we can't find an official one. Oh, no. I want to make the point that I do not want anyone to cover this song. Nobody has the right to cover this song because this is pure Slipknot. And I don't, I can't think of any other song in their back catalogue that I'm so adamant about that nobody gets the right to play this other than Slipknot. Nobody should even attempt to cover this song because they will fail miserably. And I don't want any remixes of it either. I don't want a better production. Right. I just want them to leave it exactly as it is. This little island between a very important album in the band's life and a fucking exceptional album. 
just leave it as it is and anybody trying to cover it fuck off yeah speaking slightly off topic but actually semi-related about covers that should not be well i was looking for another slipknot song to see if it had been covered um for one of our future episodes i thought i'd found a cover of a song by slipknot by a band called kill us I think they're Spanish. I saw them play before Avatar and the Defiled in Nottingham. Right. And they're fucking woeful. Budget level mud vein, but not technical. They're just dire, right? Yeah. Totally dated. Terrible shit. I thought I'd found a cover by them of a similar song. Instead of that, today, literally today as we're recording this podcast, my Spotify radar <laughs> threw me a cover by Killers of The Look by Roxette. Wow. Interesting. It is the worst shit I've ever heard. Good. Well, I'm glad we got that so, shout out for him in here. So let's <laughs> never, ever, ever cover only one by Slipknot because I will be angry. <laughs> so let's do our grade and our ranking. We put Everything Ends, banger, by the way, join bottom of our ranking <laughs> in the last podcast because all Slipknot songs are wicked. We're scoring out of nine because yeah. Slipknot. Yeah. What are you giving as your grade for All Out Life? So, I this is my favourite one so far. Interesting. But I am aware that I need to leave myself a little bit of room above this. Because we haven't done Gehenna yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, my gut was to go eight and a half, but I've tempered myself with an 8.25, <laughs> which I know is fucking annoying because quarter marks are annoying, but... I just know that we're at episode eight of how many are we going to have to record? And while this song is forever going to be right up there, I just need that little bit of wriggle room to, to for, for what I know is coming. So yeah, 8.25. I think they're going to be handy because if I don't do them, then when, we, when we've got a draw, yeah. then it'll be a differentiator. Good point. I've gone for 7.5. Okay. I think actually from, from a similar point of view as, as you, I can't go eight for this because, you know, we haven't done any songs of We Are Not Your Kind. We've got almost all of the self-titled album to go. Have we done anything off Volume 3? We have, haven't we? No, we haven't. Uh, no, we have not. Oh, so we've got there to go as well. So given this... We have. We've done, we've done Vermillion Part 2. Oh, we did, of course. It's yeah. top of the top day, of the list. until um, now. Yeah, I've reined myself in a little bit, just going, there you go, random single, 2018, 8 out of 9, there you go. So I think we've... We're coming from a similar yeah. point of view. And I, I think actually the, the extra bits from me are a lot of it tied to the fact that, as I said, this was my moment of faith for Slipknot Now. And I don't think I can underestimate the importance of this song in terms of, I was always going to care about Slipknot, but to care this much, it's because of this song. So there we go. So that puts it, if my maths are correct, 15.75, um, <laughs> which means it is top of the leaderboard now above the million part two and snuff well that's quite something it's an interesting top three isn't there isn't it yeah the whole range of slipknot right there yeah so that is all out life by slipknot you can't kill me is produced by this decay and we'll be back soon see you later